Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. You are God's little G. When I read in the Bible where he says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. Why do people have such a fit about God calling his man little gods? We have the potential and the capacity through a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ to know God, but that does not mean we are God. The Bible is very clear. There is only one God, and he will not share his glory with another. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. No way we go. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have... 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now, here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Freel. The mail is here. Ooh, this is Wretched Radio Mega. Can I say mega? Is that offensive? Mega grateful that you send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, stories, sermons, anything that is wretched to idea at wretched.org. Let's go to the mailbag. And we start with Jeff, who says, Todd, I have heard it said many times that God is the God of second chances. So is God the God of chance? Uh, no, no. But here, but this is worth trying to figure out, and if nothing else, potentially use as an exercise to keep from confusion. God is the God of second chances. That was a trend a number of years ago. I don't know if you remember that. The God of second, that was like like an evangelistic tool, that God is a God of second chances. Uh, And depending on what you mean by second chances, I might say, well, yeah, of course. But what do you mean by that? So, Jimmy, if I said to you, God is the God of second chances, yes, define second chances. I would say that uh, my my sin has been forgiven. My life is uh, okay. I'm down with that. Yeah, that's that's what I that's how I would view it. Well, I I think that some people are suggesting. Look, if you've made a total dog's breakfast out of your life, God God can get you on a new path. Okay. I'm okay with that, uh, if you mean that, but there is something wrong with the word chance because God is never a God of chance. Let's just say you. Forget using anybody else as an illustration. You. You have biffed it big time, and you've made a series of decisions that have caused you to end up in a place you'd rather not be. Was that by chance? And the biblical answer is absolutely not. Even your sinful, bad, unconsidered decisions that have caused you to be struggling right now was in God's preordained plan. He didn't cause you to sin. He's not responsible for your sin. But you would not have sinned unless God had ordained it sovereignly because you're exactly where God wants you. You say, I'm in a hard place. Apparently, that's where God wants you because that's where you are. Now, is that where God wants you to stay? No, but God will order your steps as you trust him, trust his will, consult his word, consult his people. 
He will take you to the place where he wants you because that is the place that is best for you. So do I like the God of second chances? I think it just has too much baggage. It might not be theologically problematic, except to the degree that it introduces your life as somehow being a a game of chance. It's just a crapshoot. You just are rolling the dice, and let's just see what Yahtzee says. That is not how life works. God ordains everything. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, idea at wretched.org. Dear Mr. 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 Friel, this is from Owen. I don't agree with the sinner's prayer, but if it does happen in a local church, what should the pastor or whoever initiated the prayer do so that the congregation doesn't walk away with false assurance? Yeah. Are we talking altar calls here or just sinner's prayer? He just said sinner's prayer. Okay. Uh, okay. These th- the question, before I would answer the question, is that was kind of Bill Clintonian. Well, the question before the question that you got a question, just answer the question. But I do want to ask a question. How does somebody get saved? It's Is it through a sinner's prayer? Well, yes, the prayer of a sinner who repents and trusts in the Lord, that prayer is definitely heard, and God will receive anyone who comes to him. In fact, you can't really be a Christian without a sinner's prayer was just reading through J.C. Ryle's rather short treatment on the subject of prayer. And he said, every Christian is a praying Christian because you can't become a Christian without calling out to God, without speaking to God, without asking him for his mercy, his acceptance, his forgiveness. So everybody's a praying person. If you're a Christian, you started out with a prayer of a sinner, but that's different Then today's concept of sinner's prayer, which you know how it goes, just by your head, close your eyes with nobody looking, repeat after me, dear Lord, dear Lord, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. Now, people can certainly be saved doing that because that is their heart and the pastor is helping them articulate it. I just don't think that it is the best way to call somebody to salvation because you're putting your words into the mouth of the individual. Somebody might, if somebody's being totally convicted by the Holy Spirit of sin, righteousness, and judgment, when they say, well, what am I supposed to say? The answer is talk to God. And you know what they're going to say? If they're being convicted of sin, I am so sorry. Forgive me. Have mercy on me. Would you please cleanse me? They'll know what to say. They don't need a leading So can it be done? Well, I wouldn't say it's a sin if you do it. Do I think it's ideal? No. And the reason is, first of all, we don't see that biblically. We don't see it that somebody leads somebody in a sinner's prayer. I'm okay with the prayer of a sinner to get saved, but the sinner's prayer concept of parroting what somebody else says, it's, it's, I don't see it as being biblical. And I think we've seen the results, haven't we? What has been the fallaway rate, the number of people who have said the sinner's prayer, and typically, by the way, the sinner's prayer usually has little to do with sin. Dear Lord, dear Lord, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I've messed up my life. I've messed up my life. And um, 
Would you come into my heart? Would you give me a second chance? See what I did there? And what has been the fruit of that mm, evangelistic effort? It's been a disaster. So many false converts. There's so many people. Maybe you're one of them. You've asked Jesus into your heart a thousand times, but he doesn't seem to stick around. Question, does Jesus dwell in our heart? Answer, yes. Question, how does he get in there? And the answer is, he's regenerating you. The fruit is repentance and faith, and he then dwells with his child. So what would I say to make it better? Um, I don't know that you can say anything to make it better. I think there's things you could say to make an altar call better. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. I don't think you're a heretic if you do it, but I do think that demands an awful lot of explanation. You need to understand that here's why we're calling you down to this altar, and you better have a reason, otherwise don't do it. We're calling you down because we just want you to have a place where you can be quiet, not distracted. This, these steps are not special. There's nothing sanctified about this area of the building. But if you want to come on down, well, why would you have them come down? Why can't they just sit right in their chair? Why can't you tell somebody who's in your congregation, if you're here today and you are under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, do not delay right now in the privacy of your own heart. Bow your head, demonstrating that you are suddenly understanding who the king is in this relationship. And you call out to God now, pour out your heart, tell him how you've been, ask him for his mercy, beg him to receive you. And you have his word, he will. You don't understand. Well, see, now you just blow it. I was just going to give quiet. <laughs> I'm sorry. For the person to take the time and, and do that. I, I just don't see any need for the altar. All it does is send the wrong signal. Oh, I've got to do that to talk to God. Or I've got to walk the aisle in order to make a public profession. No, here's how you make a public profession of faith. It's called baptism. That's where you do it. You don't need to stand, raise your hand, bow your head, close your eyes, walk an aisle, kneel at an altar. You need to call out to God. Now, can there be people who were saved who walked an aisle? Yes, but statistically, they're the exception, not the rule. So if you are currently loving the Lord, you did an altar call, but your life, it definitely was changed. Sweet. You're bearing fruit. Cool. Don't think twice about it. God was saving you, but it wasn't walking, it wasn't raising, it wasn't standing, it wasn't kneeling, it wasn't doing anything. But you calling out to God in childlike faith, save me, O oh God. What was it that, do you remember the Martin Luther movie? When Luther was just racked over his sin and his guilt. And, and oh, who was the name of the priest that was kind of his mentor and protector? He said, and it's from a psalm. Oh, it's just a few simple words like, uh, I'm yours. Save me. That's, that's as simple as it gets. And if you've done that, whatever the form was, don't question the state of your soul if you're currently bearing fruit. This is Wretched Radio. 
Transformed. Our latest production is available now in the Wretched Store or by visiting transformed.org. This show is like nothing else on Christian TV. You'll witness real biblical counseling sessions with real people dealing with real issues like anxiety, OCD, depression, phobias, and trauma. What you won't see is a secular therapy session or even a Christian counseling session which still uses secular psychology. No, you are going to witness the power of the Bible at work right before your eyes. Real people with real problems being offered real solutions. Hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at The Masters University, and Dr. Dale Johnson, the Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Transformed, where you'll witness biblical counseling as it takes people from brokenness to wholeness. Visit transformed.org. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, affordable biblical health sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today and get ready to take some notes because I'm about to save you from being canceled by your very own kids. Are you being a sharent? You know, the person who shares way too much about their personal life on social media. Yeah, if you're looking at the radio all crazy right now, I'm likely talking about you. But look, don't get offended. Just get better. How, you may ask? Simple. Spend less time on social media and more time at Wretched.org. You may have noticed the Wretched website recently got a facelift. And you'll find the new look easier to navigate and locate all of our amazing, yes, amazing content. Like full daily Wretched TV and radio episodes, the Wretched store is loaded with tons of new resources, and the donate page has complete information on how you can become a monthly ongoing gospel partner. So stop embarrassing your kids. Don't be a sharent. Spend your time instead at Wretched.org. It just hits different. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Important dates in Christian history. 1559. John Knox returns to Scotland to lead Reformation there after a period of exile in Calvin's Geneva. Knox founded the Presbyterian Church, which became a driving force in English politics and the American Revolution. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Here's a reason for you to send an email to idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. Trying to think of a Spanish song that is like Dunka Shane, darling Dunka Shane. Uh, what, 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 what is there's got to be a Spanish thank you song. If you know it, send it, and then I can listen to it and sing it. Now, nobody's going to send anything ever. 
Please send whatever you want, pretty much, to idea at wretched.org. Jimmy, do you know a Spanish song that's like a thank you? Thank you very much. We've got one in English. Thank you very much. That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me. I, I didn't even know about it that It is an everyday. Good fortune comes my way. Huh. I didn't. So <laughs> you shouldn't blow the chance when you have got the chance to say. Wow. Thank you very, very, very much. You just translate that into Spanish. Okay. And next week, I'll be on it. Okay, I'm working on it. Do you think, Jimmy, I should maybe reconsider my career path and become a worship leader? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go you, do that someplace else. You, you especially have the uh, the welcome down. <laughs> yeah, the, the big, loud welcome down. No, I'll tell <laughs> you know what? It just doesn't cease to amaze me. People will send sermons. Okay, they're speeches, typically from a guy with an untouched shirt, and he. Oh, it just starts out with that. There, there's a couple of styles that I, I just find like. I'm not saying the guy's a heretic, but it's you know it's it's happy slappy guy. Hey 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 hey! Church. Wait a second, I can't hear you. Left side, morning church. Right side. Okay, there's that guy. And then there's then there's there's Mr. Excited who's just got to say a lot of stuff. We've got a lot of things to cover. I'm so glad you're here because this is just going to be so awesome today. Like, did you get the donuts out in the lobby? We're going to talk today about Chevrolets and God and how you can be like the driver of a Chevrolet car. You ever go to the NASCAR race? I'm telling you, those things are amazing. Not as populated as they used to be, but there you are. You're driving. Calm down. And speak like you're not on the crack. And please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. Speaking of worship, uh, this comes from Suvsish. I believe that's how you say it. Um, but they are wondering, Todd, what should the order Wait of... second. Wait a second. Yes. They are wondering? Well, you know, I I, I don't is know... Is this a pronoun thing now? This is... this is. Oh, you're just not sure about the gender. I, so I'm covering my bases here. Okay. So it might be somebody from overseas. <laughs> right. Well, it's got to be, but I don't understand how to say their name. I'm so. sorry for that. Yes. Um, so they're wondering what the order of church service should be. What should be done first? Should it be the sermon first and then worship or vice versa? Well, there's. I think there's other elements besides wor- singing songs and preaching. I think that there. I prefer a call to worship. All right, everybody. Hopefully, you've been preparing your hearts. I think Mike Fabares wrote a booklet. I haven't. I think I did read it actually a while ago, but it's called Praying for Sunday. It's getting ready for Sunday so that you just don't walk in cold and start worshiping and singing songs or standing there and watching the band perform. If you're ready for worship, cool. But let's call everybody to worship, making a proclamation, a heralding. The Lord is in his temple. Let the people rejoice. We are here to worship the Lord. Whatever you want your invocation to be. Now, as you're doing elements of liturgy, you should be thinking about the regulative principle. What are the elements that God wants in this worship service? If he is the church worship leader, because he is, Hebrews 2, what does he want? And so we look at the regulative principle, and I think that we see reading of the word. And now you've got to ask the question, well, which word? Historically, people would read something from the Old Testament before it got unhitched. They would read an epistle, and they would read something from the gospel because they wanted to preach law, gospel, even in the liturgical elements. And you should be mindful of that. So 
I would suggest this is in whatever order there, there is no prescribed order call to worship. There could be an approaching God confessing of sins, a proclamation that your sins have been forgiven, reading of the word, praying a pastoral prayer, then you've got the elements of music, and you can you can work that in any way that you choose to kind of break things up. Nothing wrong with that. But make sure that as you look at the regulative principle and you consider the elements that God wants in his worship service, think law gospel. Think law, go- not just gospel, law gospel, a reminder to people. We are so sinful. We are so in need of a Savior Praise God, we have one. His name is Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and our Rescuer. You've got to have law before you can appreciate the good news of the gospel. And as you're picking which Bible verses to read, what you're praying, think law, think gospel, so that you've got a balanced service. And as far as the issue of where should the sermon go, well, I actually understand the idea of putting the sermon a little bit closer up front, because when your brain then is loaded with the word of God, then you're you're more apt to praise. But I think my preference, if I could write the liturgical handbook for everyone, well, I would, but I can't. But my preference would be you do keep it at the end. And here's why. The argument that says put the sermon at the front indicates that nothing else in the service is teaching, informing, educating, reminding us of our sin, pointing us to our Savior. That's why all of those liturgical elements, if you are doing that in your prayers, in your songs, in your liturgy, your confessions, when you're reading the Bible, think law, gospel, then I think it's best because your brain is getting filled with truth to have the sermon at the end because historically, just the way that we humans do it, that's the highlight. If you go to a comedy show, you got an opener, a middler, and a headliner. The headliner doesn't come on first. The sermon is the headliner. All of those other elements, I think, are required. They should be done wisely and well. But the opening up of the word, explaining the word Nehemiah style, where we preach it from a podium and proclaim the word, that's 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 like the driving oomph for the church week. So I think it's best, it's not a law, it's best to keep it to the end and then close it out with a benediction, which is just a nice way to put a bow on a service. That's how I do it. Anybody have a difference of opinion? <laughs> Please send questions, comments, conundrum snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one comes from Jimmy, not me. Yo, hey, Mr. Todd. I can tell that's not from you. <laughs> he said, I was just wondering if there are any explicit Bible verses that specifically state that we need to become members of a local church. Uh, Is there a verse that says become a member of a local church? No. Does the New Testament persistently point to membership in the local church? Absolutely. And it's not in the epistles. It starts in the Gospels, specifically Matthew chapter 18. There's a little something called church discipline. 
And what we see is what becomes increasingly clear throughout the rest of the New Testament. Jesus is building his church. That's Matthew 16. So the church, and remember, the true church, all believers, all times, not a particular domination, denomination or stream, all believers, all time, that's the church. You've got the invisible church. You've got the visible church. You, you've got the church triumphant. You've got the church militant. You've got the, you've, you've got the global international church, the global church. You've got the local church. So you got to be careful when you use the word church. It's got a wee bit of a semantic range. Nevertheless, if you are not a part of the body, which is what the church is referred to, if you're not a part of a body, connected to a body, you can't be disciplined. It is assumed immediately in Matthew 18 that you are a part, you are committed to something. Then you could run to more verses. You could run to Acts chapter 2. What do we read in Pentecost? Or in, at Pentecost, how many? 3,000 people were added to the church that day. There weren't 17 churches in Jerusalem. There was the church. And you became a member of that. It's like you get saved. You're in the body, and you find yourself a local expression of that body, the best one that you can find, and you join that. Then furthermore, then when you read throughout the epistles, you see the importance of the church writing to the, the called out ones, the ecclesia, the people who are set apart. And so you see, and not all of the epistles, but in most of them, to the church at Corinth, to the church at Philippi. It's for those people who are a part of that body. And I believe that in order to keep yourself safest, I think it's best, wouldn't make a law, but I do think it's best that there is some sort of covenantal ceremony that announces to everybody, this person is submitting to the leadership of this church. They are willing to give their time and their talents at the risk of being disciplined, because if you're not giving your time and your talents, there's another one. The body works together. If you're not in a body, you can't work together. If you're not doing that, then we can set you out and make a public announcement of this. A welcoming into the fellowship is the safest configuration I can think of. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Earlier this week, a group of parents and citizens in Landisville, Pennsylvania, confronted the school board after a teacher had multiple drag queens come to the high school without the parents' knowledge. This lady is the school's French teacher and also sponsor of a club called the Gay Sexuality Alliance. And she's on administrative leave for not hosting drag queens, but posting the Instagram handles of the drag queens on the school's learning management system, which gave students means to make contact with the performers. And all four accounts contain lewd content. And the parents didn't hold back, telling the school board that they are actively grooming children. But the president of the school board did his best to calm the parents and assure them that he is taking the matter seriously. He said the investigation into this drag queen event is, quote, ongoing in an appropriate and affirming way. <laughs> I'm sure that's the assurance the parents were looking for. 
Earlier this week, a federal judge threw out a lawsuit that challenged a new Florida law that revoked the special privileges for Disney. On the book since 1967, Disney has been allowed to construct new buildings and expand parks without having to adhere to state or county regulations. But beginning in July, Disney will now have to follow state and county rules as it relates to construction, drainage, and wastewater management. Governor Ron DeSantis said that he was not comfortable with one business receiving that level of special treatment in Florida. Recently, former Heisman Trophy winner Tim Tebow delivered the commencement at Trine University where he told graduates that money and fame will not bring them true satisfaction. He said some of the wealthiest people in the world are also some of the most miserable people alive, which is something I can 100% attest to, and not because I'm wealthy, but because I know some wealthy people and that assessment is pretty spot on. The world paints this picture of money and fame as what success looks like. But the Bible paints a very different picture. And two Christians recently were killed when Muslim extremists set fire to their church in southern Uganda, where hardline area Muslims were accusing Christians of being too loud in their worship services. So their solution? Burn their church down. Kill them. Because those are some really smart and genius ideas. Uganda's constitution claims that citizens and all Christians have religious freedom, but officials typically turn a blind eye to the persecution they face. As we try to tell you frequently here at Wretched, please make sure that you are fervently and continuously praying for all of our brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. Mark was a follower of Christ, traveling companion of Paul, an associate of Peter. His gospel presents Jesus as the Son of God. Here, Jesus is the perfect example of self-sacrifice, the suffering servant who died as a ransom for our sins. When you suffer for obedience to Christ, do not be ashamed, for Christ suffered and died for our disobedience. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. There it is. This is I don't want to play anymore because I cannot translate Spanish and I don't know what these guys are singing about, but it has something to do with gracias. I'll work on that next week. I will have a Spanish version of thank you very much for sending emails to idea at wretched.org nailed for you. By the way, Speaking of Spanish and translations, very excited about this. You, of course, are familiar with Road Trip to Truth. We are currently finishing up season three. It's pretty much done, except for things like coloring, sound, the animations. Johnny has a few more to go. But we're going to be working on season four very soon. Incidentally, wow, now now I got a couple of plugs going on here. Incidentally, we're looking for a new host for Road Trip to Truth. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I don't want to sound like I'm disappointed or upset with John Fabares or anything, but he wants to stay in California, pastoring at his church with his wife and children. I mean, really, instead of moving to Atlanta, can you even imagine it? John did a bang-up job for three years, but we are looking for somebody to be in-house full-time, all day, every day, working on writing leading the, the 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 presentation of Road Trip to Truth season 4 
is what we are on. If that describes you, you're a person who is theologically sound. You've got some camera chops. You maybe have some video that you've done. And you've got a desire to be a part of a ministry that is reaching an off. There's thousands of churches using Road Trip right now. Thousands of them. That's just massive. The impact of that. Does that sound intriguing? Go to wretched.org slash careers. But that's not what I was actually going to talk about. Instead, was going to mention that Road Trip to Truth Season 1, we're starting to close caption it in Spanish. It's not my ideal way of accomplishing a Spanish version. If we could, seriously, if we, if we had the funding, I would do a Spanish TV show in a heartbeat with somebody who's theologically sound. Would love to do that because I just think it's better. It's more respectful. Of, of people who speak a different language than English to try to reach them rather than here's the English version, here's your subtitles, read along. We actually produce a Spanish version. That that's, that's my heart's desire. But in the meantime, we're putting the Spanish translation of Road Trip to Truth, closed captioning in that, and also just the under whatever you call it on the TV screen. For real, you should know these names. <laughs> this is supposedly what you do. The lower thirds. No, the the what? It, where it, it's not the closed caption. That, it's not closed. It's just captioning. There it is. Okay. I knew the word all along, NTM. So we will be releasing it. I think in July. Be praying for the impact of that. We're super excited to be reaching a whole new group of folks because we're going to be releasing Road Trip to Truth season one, Spanish version. <laughs> And gracias to you for sending questions, comments, conundrums, or snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Jay. Todd, I hear a lot about assurance of salvation. Is this biblical? Yeah, absolutely. Is it not presumptuous to say, I know with certainty I'm saved? No, I I, I think it's okay. With, I'm, I'm not trying to poke anybody in the eye, but I think it's offensive to not say you know you're saved. Because God promises you, if you come unto him, he will not cast you out. Your faith is the size of a mustard seed. (laughs) We all have puny faith, but that's enough in God's economy. So if you have put your trust in Jesus, he promises you, nobody can snatch you from his head. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And I think when we spend a lot of time, well, yeah, but you know, today I did this, so I'm not so sure. I used to be more enthusiastic about that, so now I'm not so sure. Be careful that that you're not offending God by doubting his promises. Your feelings have nothing to do with your assurance. Nothing. Instead, look outside of yourself under the one who says, repent, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, then you are if you have. Finally, I would point you to 1 John 5, 20, I think, give or take, maybe 19, 20. John, in his, in his five chapters of his epistle, is, is writing, read it yourself. It's a super fun read when you look for this. He's persistently, he does it, easily 10 times, more like 20 times in five chapters. Do you want to know that you're walking in the truth? Here's the fruit. Do you want to know that you're actually in the kingdom? 
you're acting like this. And then 1 John 5.20 puts the bow on it and says, I write these things that you might know you are saved. Does God want us to have assurance? Uh, You can assure yourself he does, and you should. And the way that that happens, think of assurance like going to a Thanksgiving party with that uncle who drinks too much. I'm pretty sure I can get this worked out. What does this uncle inevitably do? Have you like stand stand in front of him, your back to him, and fall fall backwards. Fall backwards. Just trust me. Trust me. You're loaded. Uncle Bill, I don't trust me. Just trust me. Okay, now let's just say you obey his command and you fall back. I will know that you trust Uncle Bill. Not a good idea, by the way, but I'll know that you trust him when you fall into his arms. But if you start to go backwards and you're freaking out, it's an indication you haven't trusted him. I would like to encourage you to trust him. Trust God. This is what his word says. Martin Luther rightly said the majority of the Christian life is outside of ourselves. Your security and assurance, it does not come from you. Your feelings are whimsical. Your feelings will constantly mislead you. And if your feelings are persistently telling you, well, you're not a Christian, you need to overrule them with truth. So if if you're somebody who believes, for instance, I could do something today, I could lose my salvation. Now, I, I just think that's wrong theology, but let's just say that is an intrusive thought for you. I would encourage you to go read Romans 8, 38 and 39 and memorize it. And then every time that feeling bubbles up, you stop and go, hold on, feeling. I need to remember Romans 8, 38 and 39, which tells me that nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing, not even my feelings. So feelings, try again, but you're not right. God is. And when you do that, the kookiest thing is going to happen. You are going to probably produce another feeling, a feeling of gratitude, (laughs) A, 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 a feeling of relief, a feeling of joy. Trust his word. Now, let me just challenge you to go a step further. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. Let's see how this pans out. Romans chapter 8. That's where I'm scooting right now. Jimmy? Yes. New Testament, right? I think so. Okay. So Romans chapter 8. You've got those little teeny tiny words in but like on, on one side of your column, depending on what sort of format you have for your Bible. Those are cross-references. So go to Romans 8, 38 and 39, and then look at all of the cross-reference verses. All right, so here I'm looking at 38 and 39. I am persuaded neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor your feelings, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, that's a promise. So now I scoot over to 38, and it offers me 1 Corinthians 15, 24, Ephesians 1, 21, 1 Peter 3, 22. And then... I'm going to go look at those verses and look at those cross-reference reference, cross reference verses. And you're going to be scouring all throughout the New Testament, seeing all of these great and rich and certain promises that if you come unto the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, you are his. Should we ever examine ourselves? Yes. 
Yes, we should. There are times when you do well to stop and say, how am I doing in my walk? Am I persevering? Have I gotten lazy or lax? Am I lethargic in my service to the Lord, in my Bible reading, in my praying? And don't let that automatically disqualify you from being in the kingdom because you have these promises. Just repent and get on it. Now, if you, however, have an ongoing persistent lifestyle of sin, it is very possible that you're a false convert. But the book of Hebrews also calls sins that tend to cling to us besetting sins. So we can have sins that we're at war against our entire lives and still be, you're, you're a Christian. That's normative. You're, you're in battle. But 1 John 3, 8, 9 says, if you're just passive about the whole affair, you don't care. It doesn't trouble you an iota that you're looking at your porn, you're doing drugs, whatever it is that you're into. You got a problem. So a besetting sin can be just that, a besetting sin. If you're at war, have confidence. If you have surrendered the battle, panic, because it's very probable you shouldn't have assurance. This is Wretched Radio. This is our dear brother Max in Ukraine, who's been a Tomorrow Club leader now for almost 20 years, giving us a picture of what is going on currently in Ukraine, specifically regarding the activity of the Tomorrow Clubs, normally kids' clubs where they meet every week to hear the gospel. But right now, those Tomorrow Club leaders are spending their efforts simply trying to minister to people who are in danger or who have nothing. And our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West are trying to, to meet the needs of those families who had to escape, serving them a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. There are many who need the bare necessities of life. Tomorrow Clubs is trying to serve them in that regard. Would you please consider what you might do for Ukrainian believers at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. What's the one question you think we get the most here at Wretched? It's, why do you guys do what you do? And we thought the best person to answer that question was you. Wretched Radio has just really brought me closer to God. Wretched has changed my life. Wretched Radio, you all have done a great job at really bringing joy into our lives. Our goals have always been to preach the gospel, to equip people to preach the gospel, and to strengthen the local church. And when we hear testimonies from real people just like you, we are encouraged. My life will never be the same because of you guys. Through your video, God saved me. Wretched Radio, you encouraged me to walk with the Lord. And we know we would never be able to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel if it weren't for the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to save the lost and reach millions of people with the gospel? Just log on to wretched.org slash donate to get all of the information you could ever want to know about becoming a gospel partner. That's wretched.org slash donate. Permit me to introduce you to Brie and Salvation Dominoes Preborn Style. When one person gets saved, they have that burning desire to just make him known the same way that was made known to them. And then it's just this domino effect. Brie currently volunteers at a preborn life center. How did she get saved? From a friend whose mother got saved at, you guessed it, a preborn life center. 
Why? Because pre-born, it is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. And look at the domino effect. Would you please consider supporting pre-born centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the Bridegroom. Christians are waiting for Christ's return, which the book of Revelation describes as the wedding of the Lamb. Christ will come to usher his bride, his church, into eternity with him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Emails, send your emails, please, to idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. Whenever you see something wretched, whenever you have a question, whenever you think, you know, Friel, I don't think you can that. This is something you might want to think about. I welcome that. I truly do. I read them. I consider them. Regularly, I print them out because reading that computer screen, try to keep it pithy if you would. And please, what's up with the like six point? Didn't 14 used to be the standard? Now it's like, who? you've got to have a magnifying glass to read your emails. Freel, it's just your eyes failing you. Thank you for the word of encouragement. Idea at wretched.org. This one comes from Travis. And he is wondering, is there anything in the Bible, do you think there's anything in the Bible that precludes created life beyond Earth? Mm, yeah, I, not not a clear verse that says the Earth is the only place where life can exist, that it's the only habitable planet. But I think we have pointers. I think we see that this creation is unique and God discloses that life is on this planet only. We don't we don't see anything about, well, he's got, you know, Zoloft, which actually can take you to another planet, I think. That he's got some other planet where he's got another plan of salvation. How 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 is did people sin there? Are they are they people? Are 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 they amoeba? What what are they exactly? Well, the Bible doesn't even speak about that. Instead, it's a unique focus on planet Earth, a very special place that God is going to dwell on forever in the new heavens and the new Earth. So we see one Redeemer, we see one human species, and we see one planet in the Bible that's identified as hosting life. So I just don't see any reason to think that God has got something else going on. You'd have to ask, for what purpose? Remember, the earth is about glorifying him. So what purpose would there be in adding another planet with a different bunch of, I don't even know what that would look like. So I think that the Bible limits it. Should we ever find life elsewhere, which I don't think that we are, it doesn't prove evolution is true, which is why I think NASA is on a mad dash to try to find anything that possibly could maybe resemble life on Mars because they want to say, see, it could, they're just at the very beginning. We're just further along. Okay. You don't have an explanation for that, but... I, I don't think that's going to happen. If it does, I don't think that it tips over the Bible. Please. Oh, 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 
Oh, and go to Answers in Genesis. I know that they've written articles on this. I know they have. Really smart guys. Answersingenesis.com. Just type in Answers in Genesis. You'll find it. And while you're there, send an email to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from John. It says, Todd, a deacon from another church asked my opinion on this matter. A nursing mother in the worship service. He said she is covered, but a few have complained that it's distracting. Thoughts? Yeah. It seems to me this is one of perhaps a million issues that should be worked out in the context of the local church. And the the trick to this is that you don't always have two parties at the same level of maturity or desire to surrender one's preferences for the others. You've got people with with different levels of spiritual maturity. You've got people with different views on breastfeeding, where that should take place, how long that should be going on. So you've got yourself some potential volatility. I recognize that. But if a church is growing up its people to love one another, the people who maybe would look at it and go, okay, that's not something that I would do as long as it's discreet, of course— should be able to look at it and say, hey, she wants to be in worship and she's got her baby in here. Wow, that's excellent. Is is there anything I can do to help you to make this easier for you? And then on the other hand, the nursing mother should say, you know, there might be some people here who just don't like this. So I'm going to I'm going to go back to a room to do some some nursing, which, by the way, some churches, they do have nursing rooms for nursing mothers. I think it just needs to be worked out with consideration and love for one another. I don't think that it's a sin for a woman to be sitting in a service doing that. Obviously, discretion is demanded, but if she is discreet, that's not a sin. Work together in love so that everybody can be brought up to speed. I I don't know of all of the issues you know, if, there, if, if, if I were pastoring a church, just ponder that thought for a moment. If I were pastoring a church and there were a lot of young couples and there were a lot of babies being born, might I say something from the pulpit about the subject? Yeah, I might, might, because it might be worth it to say, hey, everybody, just want to lay out a little framework for us to think through. A lot of you are having babies. You've got questions about nursing. Let's work through this. So that nobody's ever uncomfortable or nobody's ever put out. Would I maybe cultivate that if I had enough of that dynamic going on? I I might do that. A maturing body sacrifices its own discomfort as long as it's not sin for the other. And that street runs both ways. Please send emails to idea at wretched.org. Unless, Jimmy, you got to take on the deacon dilemma. Um, I mean, I have an opinion, but I, you know, uh, what's your, what's your, what's your gut? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. And, and I, so I guess I'd lean more to the, to the side of, of maybe the, the people that are bothered, quote unquote bothered should be more understanding than maybe you the know, mother. Yeah. You know what? I, uh, yeah. And, but at the same time, it's, it's like a congregation is like a marriage. Yeah. I get that too. So, uh, you know, the other, the, the, the breastfeeding mom should be able to go, look, I understand people aren't good. So I'll give it up. And if both parties are working toward that, well, then you come up with the solution that is pleasing to all. 
But to those who might be upset about it, and I get it, I, I truly do. And it, frankly, it doesn't matter where you stumble into that. When you see somebody in a restaurant, it's like, okay, well, ask yourself the question, why? Why does that kind of make us go, ah? And I have to think that we trace it back to the effects of the fall. What, why would we get uncomfortable? Well, I think the issue is exposure and nudity and that something actively is happening with a body part that is deemed like, okay, that just always stays covered. And I think that we just automatically have that discomfort because of it. But we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Because that's just natural. That's the way God designed. It's a beautiful thing, not a shocking, disgusting thing. It's a beautiful thing. So it's probably the baggage that we bring, courtesy of Adam and Eve, <laughs> into the consideration about what do we do with nurse and moms? Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one comes from Kyle. Dear Mr. Friel, Mr., 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 is that too many? No, you're just adding that. No, 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 no. That's what his email says. He that's wants so to know funny. if that's too many. Uh, Never. <laughs> how do we enjoy the blessing of our little furry friends without making them idols? Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people do. I can do that. I love dogs. I really love dogs a lot. Here's what you do. If you're loving your dog too much, just stop, cross your legs, close your eyes, take several deep breaths, and then imagine in your mind that your dog is a cat. Boom! Off the idle pedestal, he falls. <laughs> that could be something that you could consider doing, but you just need to guard your heart. And don't whiplash. Dogs are a blessing. Look, so much of what God gives to us is so, it's a gift from the Father of lights. These are gifts. These are presents. We should be enjoying them. But as soon as they displace the giver, then we've goofed it up. So what do you do? Euthanize your pet? No. You just work on, I'm sorry, Lord. I, I've, been, I've been relying on my dog more than I've been relying on you. And if you don't mind me saying so, I do believe that dogs can play a role in helping somebody through an emotional issue. They've been traumatized. They need the dog to calm down. I get that. I think it's a blessing. Praise God for it. But don't continue forever to have your dog be your source of comfort. Use that dog that the God of all comfort has given to you to get you so that you trust God for your comfort. Because if you just stop with the pooch, uh, that's, that's not where God wants you. He wants you to rely on him. He wants you to find your peace and your solace in him. So use the pooch. Don't feel bad about that. But be, sorry, mindful. Like that word now needs to be qualified. Be mindful that God wants, this is going to sound horrible. God wants to be your support dog. He wants to be the God who takes care of you. Where you cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Where he says, talk to me. Ask me for things. I'll grant them to you in alignment with my word and my desires. So use those dogs. Enjoy your dog, whether it's a service dog or not. And don't cross the line. Maybe this would be a good way to do it. If you really love your pooch, and I really do, thank, thank the Lord for your dog every day. Lord, thank you for this gift. I sure do enjoy it. You are so good to give me this dog that isn't a cat. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.